But on the other hand, this good news about machine learning is that you, once you learn it, you now lo- no longer need to start from scratch. Actually, when we, for example, deploy for a new client, right? So it takes probably two weeks or three weeks to learn about the fuel market right away. Hello and a warm collision is YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Mr. Will Zhang. How are you, Will? Good. How are you? I am. Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. And to you as well. This is uh, this will be aired later in January, February, but this is my first episode. Our This is my first episode. So welcome to our 2023 content season. You and I had a, uh, the opportunity to meet again, just I think believe through a client, actually through a shared client, uh, mm-hmm. Hopewell Residential. Uh, around the business that you started, I think, and of course, I'm creeping on LinkedIn here, as everybody knows I do, over the last five years called Open House AI. So you and I had a chat. I love what you guys are doing. I think it, again, I love technology and anything that's going to up the game, give us better decision-making as leaders, but also showing how different technology that can be a bit buzzy, let's be honest, starts to show up and actually give impact in the real world. So with that as my intro, uh, Will, I'll give you the microphone. Tell us about what is Open House AI? Uh, what do you guys do? What's your the problem you solve and your reason for being in the world? Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, quick intro about Open House. We are a technology research and deployment company. So our mission is to help new home builders to understand and meet the need of consumer. And we empower them to make better decisions. And with that, we hope that we can help home builders to improve people's lives through uh, building better, better homes. And uh, what we actually offer to them is on-demand intelligence. Uh, so we have been doing for the last few years, actually, is to digitize home builders' sales and marketing operations, uh, which is actually uh, the traditional construction industry is uh, notoriously difficult to digitize the operation. Hmm. But uh, we're very excited that with the new technology like machine learning and AI, finally we're able to make a difference for them. Um, I, I appreciate that from like, you know, it's you can read a million articles about the technology, but what problem are we solving and, and for who? Just curious, mm-hmm. as a research and deployment, develop and deployment company, was home builders always the target or was that a group that you identified where you could have the biggest impact or, or, or be of the most help, if you will? Uh, we think that home builder is the one that we can have the biggest impact. So, okay. uh, if you think about what we do, actually, for well, actually, I've been working in technology for more than uh, since two thousand six. So, okay. a lot of traditionally all these technology company that I've been involved, both in telecom, utility, and energy, a lot of time, if you think about big tech company like Google and Facebook, they basically uh, collected all these very powerful data, but the the businesses and the consumer, they don't really have access to those data themselves. So what we're saying is that uh, these first-party data is very important uh, so that it becomes a data asset for them. Uh, mm-hmm. So what we realize is that why are not more businesses doing that kind of things? Then, of course, in w- within the field of technology, we realize that how difficult to scale to all the other businesses. Okay, And then we see home construction is one of the most important and fundamental Econ- um, business in the economy. Mm-hmm. And we also realized that we now understand why it was difficult to digitize it. <laughs> I get uh, it. The, 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 that, the, real, the reality that, probably hit you at some point very hard. <laughs> exactly. But on the other hand, that's also what got exciting because new home is one of the interesting problem that we basically we see is the best opportunity to learn about how consumer make buying decisions. Okay. If you think about you checking out, I don't know, a toothpaste on Amazon hmm. uh, or a USB uh, cable, all these things that Amazon can deliver in one day or books, um, those decisions are very transactional. It doesn't really take a lot of time for that moment of transact. But if you think about home buying, it actually, from the moment you decided to actually buy a home to really come to realization what you need, it actually takes a whole process for even the consumer themselves to hmm. really understand the need. So what we see is that through machine learning and technology, that actually presents us the best opportunity to learn how actual human beings make better decisions. So our mission is essentially to help home builders to learn about consumers' need better than no one else. And then we help them to use that information and techn- uh, knowledge to make better decisions, to empower human decisions. Um, yeah, so that's what we see. Uh, home building is actually a perfect opportunity for us to learn about how, how consumers make better decision, how business can be run better. 
I really appreciate your kind of analogy or your comparison of buying toothpaste, buying toilet paper, buying a USB cable, whatever the case may be, being very transactional, which then leads to not a lot of volume of data around all of the different activity, the buying triggers, everything that happened with that consumer, where when you take a home purchase, and this is an area that we work in as an agency, but we also do a lot of work in the B2B space, especially in industrial. That's Mm -hmm. much more similar to that realm of purchasing decision than it is to buying toothpaste, even though it's still the same consumer who buys toothpaste that they put in their bathroom in that house that they bought that might have taken six months, 12 months. What are you finding Mm -hmm. the average time, Like, just to pull some stats, from that decision? And while there's the argument is there's a whole series of, of mental uh, hurdles you go through before you even decide to buy a home. Should I buy? Mm-hmm. Should I rent? Should I live in? You know, but once right. you decide to buy to when you actually purchase, what have you found? Is there is there kind of a pattern or does it really depend on the market that you're in? Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a pattern. Uh, it also depends on the <clears throat> the market situation as well. Of course. Mm. Uh, but this is actually the beauty about uh, being able to analyze in data and massive scale. Um, so what from the moment that we are able to digitize actually like the customer coming to the website and whatnot, right now the fortunate thing for this industry finally is consumer are really demanding that digital mm-hmm. experience. Uh, I feel I think when we started the stat was ninety five percent of consumers start online. I would say right now I remember the latest stat is actually ninety nine percent already. They okay. have been to their website. Okay. <clears throat> now from the moment that a consumer touch point with touch with a brand uh, engage with a website to transact, we observe range from 90 to uh, 60 days. And sometimes it can be as short as uh, <clears throat> uh, just one month, 30 okay. days. Okay. And that really depends on how hot or cold the market is. The of interesting course. thing is actually that the hot market actually reduced the cycle. Um, mm-hmm. What we now learn actually was also very interesting is that uh, a lot of home builders were saying, oh, our market was different which actually we do see that every market is very different. Okay. But when we're able to deploy our platform across the U.S. and Canada, so we're roughly in more than, uh, I think it's right now it's close to 20 different geo market across okay. the U.S. and Canada, uh, the actual decision pattern and cycle is actually very similar. Uh-huh. The content, the terminology, how do they think are slightly different, but when you look at the scale, they're very similar in, 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 in general. So, yeah, roughly... 90 to 60 days from online engagement all the way to closure. Uh, traditionally, if you ask a home builder, they would say, uh, I think it's less than six weeks, if I remember, recall, like okay. uh, when they first meet the human, when they first uh, meet the salesperson. But uh, there's actually a whole phase of exploratory on the digital world. Well, and that's 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 such an argument for what is a marketing qualified lead versus what's a sales qualified lead and getting that terminology and really understanding. By the time someone walks into a show home and meets a salesperson, there's been a significant amount of data or sorry, of information consumed and data points collected Mm -hmm. on that, on that individual, which up to a certain point, and depending on the sophistication of the marketing company and the builder has been a bit of a black box. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, it, it was very difficult to analyze those behavior patterns. Mm. Um, if you think about most of the buying, is actually triggered by a live event. Uh, for example, like uh, maybe I, I got a promotion. I think about I can finally move on my a rental property. I can start to build my own equity or yep. I'm getting married or my kids are growing old and look at, no, they're, they're going out and then they now my kids are going uh, Moving yeah, out, leaving the house. And okay, leaving the house. Yeah, so the, all these are different live events. Right. So every individual have their own reason and live event to trigger them to start to think about if their home are uh, still fit for them. One thing we actually learn quantitatively is that a lot of times the true buying decision is triggered by what was not working in their current home, mm, and then what the opportunity out there in the mar- in the market. And then if the timing's right, then they basically decide to make the purchase. A uh, new I, home is very interesting compared to resale because that okay. gives them opportunity to customize the home how they want it. And that's the reason, actually circle back to answer your earlier question, mm-hmm. why new home construction perfect industry for us to learn about behavior and uh, decision pattern because that's one, one unique industry that a complex decision making and consumer get to express what they want, unlike a resale home. So now you basically say, I express him what I want, and then you basically get a confirmed signal to understand how those behavior patterns driving the actual quotient. So when it gets into 
I know when I was reading through your website uh, mm -hmm. over the weekend around some of the predictive and like making sure you have the right inventory, make sure you've got product market fit, which can be very challenging when you've got a product that takes 8, 10, 12 months, depending on the construction and availability of supplies. Mm -hmm. But that's another conversation to yeah, build. Yeah. So when you have a customer that you know comes in and starts engaging with a salesperson, are you then also able to input the data of the things they're requesting? Oh, I want a side door or I want a spice kitchen or I need a suite downstairs or I need a back lane garage because my in-laws are now going to live with me because they're aging and they spend six months of the year in Florida. Or is that the kind of data that you're also bringing into that, which then will predict what you know type of product that home builder will build in the next 12 months? Absolutely. Okay. Um, but how we collect the data is actually uh, unique. Okay. So uh, if you think about that, these kind of data, there's not, nothing we're building is really new or revolutionary in terms of the processes. Okay. Like, okay, I... We ask open question: What are the consumers need and want? And then the consumer basically, because of thanks to those open questions, they start to think about, oh, I didn't have I think about this. I didn't think about that, and they express what they want. Um, but that was collected traditionally through uh, uh, surveys or in focus group. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot do it in massive scale, right? So what we decided to help is actually that. Now, what are the most meaningful open questions? that actually can cause people to think the right things, to recognize the consequences of the decision they need to make. Mm, and okay. then through a digital format. And then we observe, okay, how many variations of those questions actually can be really meaningful for the consumer? And what sequence those questions should be asked? Right? Because actually when you cause people to think about, for example, location, everything about real estate is about location, right? Mm -hmm. But if you just focus on location, what about the budget? What about the... Uh, home design, interior, and how is that fitting to the life situation? What about the timing? Some people think I need to have a home within the next two months versus some others would say, you know what, actually you further out eight months later is actually better for me because I have my time to basically sell my current home. Right. Mm -hmm. All these things, everyone's different, but they might not think about those things yet because there's so many things about transaction of home that they need to consider. Uh, what we actually really appreciate salespeople is that they – if you think about the sales, it's really not about just hot selling a home. It's about uh, revealing those considerations that the buyer actually really care about or should care about. That, 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 then, that they might not even know because they're they, overwhelmed. They're not, exactly. Or it might mm -hmm. only been, you know, you, you buy a home, I forget statistically what it is depending on the market. Exactly. But you're, you're, it, it's just not a weekly transaction. <laughs> yeah. So now when we are able to digitize the operation, we are able to actually observe what's the right sequence for each different type of buying motivation. So we use AI to basically classify and understand what are the buying motivation, and then we are, are able to now really changing or even informing the sales playbook. So that's actually what we see. And then now it's no longer A-B testing. It's just a piece of content. It's really thinking about what kind of sales playbook is most effective to actually help a certain type of buying buyers with certain motivation. And that's what AI comes into play in helping empower both the salesperson and the buyer to help them to make more effective decisions. And then you end up a happier customer. That's how we actually understand what home really fit for the certain segmentation of the market. And that informs our powerful algorithm on demand prediction. So with that data, then now we're basically able to detect those signals and then we understand we can make 90 to 120 days uh, sales volume prediction uh, in a very accurate way. So roughly between 88 to 94% accuracy. Uh, throughout the whole COVID time. so <clears throat> Very interesting. When you talk about demand prediction, you said 90 to 120 days, you can give a you know 80 to 90% or a high 80% accuracy in terms of mm -hmm. what the sales volume will look like. When it comes to new inventory and now building new product, when I've got my product yeah. team identifying what we need to build a year from now, does that that same data set just extrapolated out farther? Because uh, you, the farther you get into the future, the more challenging prediction becomes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that... <clears throat> <clears throat> so, um, so we are. We know that we cannot really predict too far out. Uh, of course, everyone wants to predict very far out, but uh, <laughs> yes. our prediction is actually anchor on the actual behavior pattern. The truth is, customer don't necessarily think about buying a home uh, half a year later, most of the time, okay, or maybe two years later, right? So there's no data for it. Uh, that's why in macroeconomic yeah. information, uh, student economists making those kind of prediction way down to the future, okay. Um, but what we see is that the 90-day prediction is actually not trivial. <clears throat> if you think about home builders, 
why home building home art a very difficult business actually it's rewarding but also very difficult business because if you think about uh in say you want to build an inventory home right what kind of home will sell in mm-hmm. a few months into the future uh the home builder need to take a lot of risk so the best they had in the past was well what was the best selling home in the, my past few years if or last years but if you take a sizable home builder selling 500 home per year that's only 500 data point for the entire city yeah so what we actually recognize is that if you are able to using all the behavior expression throughout the entire buying journey that prediction become much more accurate now the utility of the 90 days is also very powerful as well in the home building industry um when you use example like it's like uh, the process from you sign a contract to start taking the foundation start, start uh, sign a contract do the permit a drafting foundation and framing until you complete these are step by step process a little bit like the, um uh when you go to order a subway right you got to pick sort of things <laughs> first before you check yep. out it's a fair comparison yeah. on a shorter scale <laughs> yeah so but the thing is that if you really have very accurate understanding of what's going on in the next 90 day you actually and your velocity of construction and your capacity of throughput for every single stage is actually typically known Yep. and we can use some more sophisticated monte carlo simulation to actually make very accurate prediction all the way to okay how long how far away from all the home in your possession and that actually allow us to actually create creating some uh cash flow prediction into the future and that's actually easy more than 12 months interesting so because you have a 90 day input for the beginning of the queue mm-hmm. is actually there's a concept of construction queue right so mm-hmm. You have ninety day input in the beginning of queue, and then you know the queue capacity. And then you can know how things are coming out at the end of the queue. And, so, th- and those are those are very known factors. It's compiling them in a way that then create that picture. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> coming back to everything, you, what, what you said at the beginning about the access to an ownership of first party data. You know, you work mm-hmm. in, you work in twenty different you know, geographies and markets across North America. What's been your experience working with? Like, we'll talk about the home builders because again, you made the comment, and I've had people on the show. Like, the construction industry has been very slow to revolutionize and change to bring mm-hmm. on technology. We've done it the same way for a hundred years, and you know, yes, there's a lot of bells, more bells and whistles now, but fundamentally, it follows a similar process. What's been the challenge you've seen? with the businesses themselves like hey I'm a home builder I identified that this is important to me I want to start going down this road wow what's the gap look like for a company to be able to start really getting benefit and and creating their own first party data set in a way that maybe they haven't before or haven't even thought about and what what what's what have you kind of seen there and what are some of the main main hurdles and how have you been able to overcome them hmm no that's a great question so To be honest, uh, I think most of even our client don't think that first party data is important for them. Interesting. Uh, it's more like a uh it's more a philosophy how we at Open House operate. Okay. We know that will be important for them. Uh so we decided that we will make sure that these are first party data belongs to them. Mm-hmm. And I know that eventually they will think that's important. The way that home builders see things is completely different. It's more about okay, what can I do with this data, right? So yeah. Uh, if I have this data, why would it be valuable for me? Uh, so that's actually a lot of education work we need to provide, and also we need to basically prioritize that into our uh, product offering. So, what we found most effective is that, for example, um, knowing your customer deeper, right? So traditionally, they think, okay, I know my customer for sure. Actually, they, a lot of people they really know their business okay. way better than us. But what we can actually show them is that, hey, for example, those buying pattern. Uh, it start to change, right? So when we, when we during COVID, throughout the COVID, actually, it's、uh, one of the most unprecedented volatility market <laughs> for the last few years. So when we see the pattern, say, hey, we observe there's actually more uptake upstream in the pipeline in the、mm-hmm. web activity.、Uh, we think there will be more sales, so we inform them ahead of time, and then、uh, you can actually start thinking about pricing, right? Or you need to should start thinking about inventory, right? So if you sell too fast, then you're gonna not having enough inventory. It's not good for your construction flow because、mm-hmm. what home builder wants is an even flow. Or when the market starts to slow down, right? So how do you start planning your inventory? So we actually need to really provide more concrete use case. For example, the other thing related to marketing, for example, is that hey, you've been deploying this sales marketing campaign.、Mm-hmm. How is your sales forecast looking at? Right. If it's no change, then they start to adapt. 
or they start to reduce the price, whatever. And when they see certain strategies start to work, because our prediction that you start to see is actually mm-hmm. changing, and then they can say, well, double down on success. Right now, when we provide these use cases for them, they can concretely see the benefit of those data. That's how they came to realization the first part of the data would become important for them. Mm-hmm. So when we first started, they didn't even care. And then until uh, <laughs> Apple making those changes, and uh, we started to actually, they started to come to realization, oh, actually turn out the data, the Facebook pixel I installed, I don't actually really have access to the data that yes. Facebook collected. So... <laughs> You yeah. start to realize, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, mm-hmm. what is it? If if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Or what was that? that there was a, I think, saying yeah, that exactly. went around a few years back on the mm-hmm. uh, the, that social media uh, documentary on Netflix that everyone watched and then talked about how yeah. they were being manipulated uh, by social media <laughs> while they were still using social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. So thinking about you know our typical toolkit as a marketer, very much Google Analytics. But again, what I'm hearing from you and what I've often been frustrated about is the promise of what data can tell you, but then often the silos that get created. We, yes. I'll give, give an example. We have lots of clients and some of them run amazing campaigns, but we just don't even get access to sales data because it's a different team. It's a very mm-hmm. large organization and sales is over here. You know, and sales might get after marketing if it's not working, but they'll never give mm-hmm. marketing credit if it did work. It's a very yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. dichotomy. I well, know. no, no, yeah. that wasn't. That was us. That was us as the uh, sales team and our product was amazing. And But it requires all the things. It requires good marketing awareness and engagement of the customer Absolutely. and a good product and a good sales process, whether that's automated mm-hmm. or in your case, it's, very, it's a very physical sales process. Do you mm-hmm. see that ever going away? Am I ever going to buy my house with a credit card online? <laughs> so... Uh... I think we're definitely going to buy home digitally. Okay. I'm not sure uh, you're going to buy your home using a credit card. <laughs> that that was an extreme example, but th- <laughs> thanks, for playing, thanks for playing along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now a message from one of our valued partners. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of ending slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Thank you for listening. And now back to today's good old fashioned chat. I, I do believe that silo actually, if you think about, there's actually two part of your question, right? So one is, they're silo in this data. They're actually very valuable data. Uh, but I, I believe that uh, the future is more about really rethink how data is collected in the first place. So the good news is actually with that, then we don't have to worry about the silo. We don't have, have to worry about the legacy. The, but if we, it's actually like, it's amazing actually how we think about the business that the challenging of most of these businesses that, well, everyone wants more sales, right? That's a level one problem. We actually call it internally three level problems. Okay. Yeah. So level level one problem is every business say I want more revenue, I want to have more top line and then lower cost. Yeah. Every business wants that. <laughs> totally. But then there's level two problem is actually what is actually preventing a business to be very competitive, very good in this business market, or what is preventing the number two and number three to become a market leader? There's a lot of different. Um, there's a lot of rich of different reasons, like some like uh, corner resources, uh, the economic scale, and all those different things. You know, access to different resources, financing capability. Mm-hmm. But the thing is actually that there's actually a deeper level problem. The way that <clears throat> I see it, um, what is actually limiting that is well, if you have a great product, you're able to really produce it in the most effective way. 
so you lower the cost. Mm-hmm. But the product works for the consumer, and customer will pay for more. And then that inherently making a better business, and now you have more profit. You can actually invest further to further improve the product and further run more effective marketing campaigns, so people are aware. But exactly all connected, right? So mm-hmm. the yeah. reason why they were silo is because when a business grow to a certain size, all these problems become very difficult to manage, and they need to deploy expertise. Right, so I need a sales expert. I need a marketing expert. I need a product development expert, estimating expert, and construction expert. So all these, when they become expert, and then they optimize towards their unique function. So how do I optimize my process for sales, and how do I optimize my process for marketing? And that local optimization is causing a business globally is no longer necessarily optimized. So I'm getting a bit nerdy here. Is that no, no, I love it. Problem? I'm, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with it. Hey, what, what, what's the, what's level three? Level one, you know, your standard, more revenue, lower cost. Oh, okay. Level two, I don't want to forget that, and then we'll circle yeah. back because I, I, I love, I love yeah. a good, I love a good framework. Will, so you're speaking yeah. my language. You know, what is preventing us from being that? And, yeah. But we now get to a level three problem. Is that mm-hmm. kind of unpacking what you just said and, and putting it into a statement? Mm. Now, the level three problem is actually where we're excited about what technology can change. I had a feeling. Uh, I had a feeling. Yeah. The, what we have been working on is actually about level three problems. Is actually, how can you actually take all this information and the process and activity on each function when they're trying to optimize for their process and have a global optimization? And that's where it's become very abstract, but also actually where mathematically we play a key, key differentiating role. So our level three is that if I know what is the best sales playbook, what's the best marketing campaign, what's the best product, uh, even best product as a different mm-hmm. pro by motivation A, what's the best product for family oriented buyers? Of course, depending on who your who your customer product. is, it changes. Yeah, best now, be- can, best becomes relevant to me very quickly. A, exactly. So yeah, we yeah. if we're able to grab all this data and learn, and then come up best optimal strategy. And that's actually where we think, okay, here's our prediction into the future. Now, is it going to be real or not? We don't know yet. So that's where we need to go back to feedback. Yes. Now, go feeding it back to the marketing operation, feeding it back to the sales and product development construction. And then we observe and measure and then run that again. So it's like a flywheel. So you basically provide those insights to all the function, and then they continue to action upon this new knowledge. And then we learn again. So that's actually basically applying a scientific process into how the, these home builders can run their business. Well, is and that, that, is that, is that also, that is the machine learning cycle. It's iterative, it's that learning, it's learning. That is machine learning in how it functions. How long yeah. does that, how long does that, take and i know that's a weird question because there isn't a, it's never done right it's always learning how long does yeah. it take from for us as humans to become smarter well hopefully my whole life hopefully i'm going to keep learning so when you think <laughs> of machine learning you think about engaging with a home builder that was new to this like you said they didn't even realize like what what value will this first data provide how many mm-hmm. cycles or what type of learning rhythm do you need to go through before you start to see the predictions becoming more accurate to a degree so for us, actually, it literally took us four years, right? So, <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. That's the, yeah, okay. So that's yeah. very honest about that. But on the other hand, <laughs> this good news about machine learning is that you, once you learn it, you now lo- no longer need to start from scratch. Actually, when we, for example, deploy for a new client, right? So it takes probably two weeks or three weeks to learn about the geo market right away. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's powerful. Yeah, it's very fast. Because you're because already like, building on four years of learning to, rem- to think about it that it, way. Mm. Yeah, the other way to think about it is that we build on top of roughly 4,000 homes have been actually transacted on our platform, a couple, four million, two or three million unique behavior profile. And Got then it. you can now use mathematics to actually see is that new pattern, is that is an emergent new pattern, or is it, oh, actually conform to the existing pattern, and then you can validate from it. So that's actually the power of machine learning. And when you talked about level three, it's just such to me, such the way I'm understanding it is such an example for what technology is giving us access to because it becomes so abstract and so big and there's so many variables that the average us, you know, sitting in a room don't have the capacity to just process the amount of data that we now currently have available to us to get to this abstract answer. And that's where I get really excited about technology, allowing us to look behind a curtain that we just couldn't see behind before, or it was very, very difficult to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's actually tools for, uh, it's interesting, there are tools that actually allow us to understand it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think I was very lucky that uh, through my education and work, I happened to be able to explain and work through it. Um, okay. But I think the new generation will be different. 
when we actually okay. hiring the students, actually, like I remember one, this one person we we talked to and then worked briefly. Is actually he came from biology background. Interesting. But then when we ask all these machine learning questions, like yeah, I've been doing that at school. Right. I think amazing. How come you would learn that as from from a biology background? Because they already actually learning all this in in school already. So the thing is actually what I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I grew up in the 90s, and my, my study is that my education was 1890s. Right at the time when we learn about mathematics, we don't know why do we learn about math. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, <I've... laughs> right? but be very honest. With the reason why I have to learn it because I want to go to good school. That's all. That's all that is, right? But actually, like I think the new generation start to recognize. Actually, no, that's start to recognize meaning for it. For example, right statistics. If I say okay. Statistics about allow you to see through how to manage and make decisions through a certain world. And that instantly become a very interesting field, mm-hmm. yes. right? And then calculus, right? So for you to understand, to find the optimal, uh, what's the optimal or minimal uh, strategy for given a certain function. Now, one thing actually super interesting is linear algebra, which I was, I think, I would say I was lucky because <laughs> I had to use it in my work. But what linear algebra has actually equipped us is we as human beings, we typically don't are not able to think beyond three or four dimension, right? So three dimension of space and the force is time. But when you consider multiple factor, it's actually a high dimensional problem. So, mm-hmm. but we actually do have linear algebra as a tool for us to understand how to think in high dimensional space. I do appreciate the taking taking the thing and understanding the application and the value that it can then create, which is oftentimes thinking back to my schooling was a very, you almost just had to trust and you were learning it for some reason, but you had no idea or justification as to why. <laughs> exactly. I do yeah. remember that. Well, why am I, I'll never use this in real life. Like that kind of, that joke yeah. about why am I learning this when I want to be learning something else. <laughs> uh, from a company perspective, just talking a little bit about well, how, what's, what's your size? How's your staffing been? You just mentioned about being able to hire somebody from a biology background because they understood how to think in the way that was relevant to your business. How's the business growth been? And you know, more importantly, staffing, because that seems to be a challenge that I hear from everyone I have on the show in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> we now have a total of nine people, basically pretty much most of them are uh, engineer and uh, data scientists. Uh, we recognize actually one of my personal passion is actually to be able to grow uh, people and then be able to... Uh, share my experience to the team. Nice. Uh, so we definitely need to hire more senior people as we grow uh, bigger in the future. But mm-hmm. uh, so far, what we found most effective is actually hiring very talented students, okay. very talented uh, people uh, who are just good at it and passionate about mm-hmm. uh, software engineering and data science. And then uh, we as a team, we do have a lot to offer because our leadership team has tremendous experience Managing data in a very, very large scale from public company to private company. Okay. We know how to manage it properly and we can teach them. We can share with them. And then, um, yeah, so when they, when they acquire those knowledge, they actually get to actually apply into one of the most challenging industry. Hmm. And that's what makes us exciting because we can see the impact space. So, uh, yeah, our philosophy has been really just hiring young and hungry talents and then train them. Uh, as part of that, basically, I was also co-founded uh, Google Cloud Developer Group in Edmonton as well. So, Because okay. I want to bring more awareness to even the people in Alberta that actually there's tremendous amount of technology talent actually in this town. And one of my personal mission is actually, can we actually keep them here? Right? Yeah, so, yes. Uh, can, can, we, can, can we save, yeah. can we stop the brain drain? <laughs> yeah, because when, when I was uh, working at Shaw, I was in the engineering department as well, I was mentoring a few people. And then also at Payson, was one of the company in mm-hmm. oil and gas. There's a lot of people actually kind of, when they attend the internship, they go to Silicon Valley, right? So uh, they have this perception that is actually the Silicon Valley is the go-to place. Well, that's before pandemic, right? Of so, course. yeah. Um, but there's actually a tremendous amount of very talented people, even it's just not known. So to name a few, right? So there's a person called James Gosling. He okay. is the inventor of Java, so which is one of the dominant uh, mm-hmm. programming language. He graduated from UFC, 
I don't know if most people I, even know. I did not know that. I know. Jo- <laughs> I know JavaScript. You have clearly, clearly, if you're in, if even yeah. even bump into technology, you know that terminology. Yeah. And then the other person, for example, who invented invented Open SSH and Open BSD, one of the Linux variants, he also graduated from UFC. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, the city of Uber. I don't know if you ever know that uh, it's also graduation graduate from UFC as yes, well. I did know that as well. But and the, but you're right. We don't celebrate that, and we often talk mm-hmm. about this gap, uh, but without mm-hmm. celebrating that. Yes, we have a we have a rich history, but the problem of the, of them fe- of mm-hmm. individuals feeling they need to leave the market to grow their careers. Yeah. And you're 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 right. I think that's something that oh the pandemic has changed that. So just curious yeah, with your with your staff, are you all in the office, or do you do remote, or as you do a hybrid approach? Uh, we do a hybrid. Uh, okay. We recognize that it's important of actually people coming together, making the team accessible to the others. That's our philosophy. Mm, uh, that, so yeah. we basically pick one or two days every week that uh, everyone come together with a with a block hour. That you these two days you're really making yourself accessible so that your team, when they have idea, they can come. But then. Development is very creative process. So a lot of time they need to put on a headphone and stay focused. So most of <laughs> yeah. the time they actually work at home. Yeah. So that's how we work. I do really appreciate the accessibility as a caveat, but I, you know, for myself, my personal is understanding what work is relevant and what work is valuable where. There's some brainstorming and some creativity that's mm-hmm. great in person. But when you need to get work done, a crowded open office environment is not the most conducive, no matter how good your headset is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some someone is going to be distracting you when you're trying to, you know, especially with development, because it's such a, you've got to be able to hold a, a, a concept and a timeline in your head while mm-hmm. you're coding. I have family members yeah. that are coders and and the, the, it's, a, it's a different world that you need to work in. And I think sometimes we talk about in office or home as this binary, but that's not the right conversation to even be having. Right. <laughs> what is the most value? So from a business perspective, you have 4,000 home. Almost 3 million profiles moved through the system. Did COVID, was COVID a leapfrog for you? Was COVID a catalyst to help move forward in terms of not only where buyers moved, but did your market being the home builders all of a sudden realize that maybe they needed to change some of their past beliefs or adopt new strategies? Was was that, uh, I always try to find the positives in the, in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, COVID definitely is actually more positive for us. Um uh, mm. It's unfortunate that we have COVID, like in 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 terms of comic culture and all that. It's actually like was we have to transition to that. Uh, but on the other hand, from a market perspective, uh, I think uh, I remember in 2019 when I first go to the International Builder Show in Las Vegas, uh, we talked about well, we can actually use data to tell you uh, what to build, uh, what the consumer is looking for, and uh, what what's the best timing of building different product, how to price. And a home builder said, uh, I remember vividly, there's one home builder say, well, I have 20 years of experience. Why would I need you to tell me about that, right? So how do you know about my market? Uh, so that was an interesting comment at the time I was thinking in my head. That sounds very familiar. Actually, at, at one brief moment of time in my life, I actually worked for a hedge fund in Germany. And then I remember the head of trade was actually making the exact same comment. Uh, that was 2008, and then <laughs> and their and the, their, 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 their the, world also changed drastically. <laughs> yeah, they their world changed drastically. And then in 2019, when I heard about that, in my head, I think you're wrong, and this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that is the right kind of attitude for a business leader, right? Who's innovating and pushing up against against potentially some old beliefs. You're wrong, and that's exciting. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get you a T-shirt, Will, that says that on it. I think it's perfect. <laughs> Um, so going forward, I know you, have you had more traction in the U S versus Canada? I'm always curious about, and I love a story where we've got a Calgary or a Western Canadian based company that's also playing on a North American scale. Do you see a more openness or do you, have you seen a difference in your target audience being the home builder, uh, between the U S and Canada? So I think, uh, our focus will be in the U S uh, uh, and we actually have been focused in the U S as well. Um, but for a reason, uh, when we build in technology, it's important to understand, um, particularly in data science. So one thing all data science actually constantly battling against is a concept called biases. Okay, Meaning yeah. that if you actually think about, uh, oh, everything I know is that people will say, well, if you have a tremendous amount of data, then you're going to solve every single problem in the world. That is not quite true because mm-hmm. if all your data is actually have the same biases, there's nothing going to help you. So how do you combat the biases? Actually, you expand to different geo market. You expand to different segment. Uh, okay. Then you can actually, through that, 
It's almost like drawing different circle in the Venn diagram, and then、mm-hmm. you can look at the intersect. Then you can learn about most common and highest value problem that you should solve. That actually provide the largest benefit for most people. So that's actually why we go down to the U.S. And when we go to the U.S., we realize that there's tremendous opportunity down there, and then we were able to scale down there. So that that's actually really proving our business. But this year, actually, <clears throat> the beginning of this year, we're going to come back to the Canada market because、okay. we are entering the second phase of development of our solution.、Okay. Is more focused on the the sales side operation and really taking our demand protection further. So we take this cycle of Learning and building closely、uh, at home, and then we can actually develop and gain deep insight into what we think is feasible, and then we test it out, scale it out, and then we come back again and take the second phase to gain again deep insight. So that's actually how we run. I understand.、Um, yeah, we've been proven so effective for us. I really <clears throat> appreciate the the concept around bias, and you know you can't talk、mm-hmm. about machine learning or AI or data collection without talking about bias. And there's very quickly a huge movement of people that go, "Well, yeah, but what about uh, uh, biases from from gender to race to、uh, like everything、oh, yeah. that factors in?" But I like what you said about we're going to go to different geographies and find out what the common is, so that we can identify what are actually outliers versus what are consistent, and、mm-hmm. as as a way to combat that. Because you're right, nothing is nothing is without some degree of bias. Somewhere along the way,、right. <laughs> and as you accumulate data, being able to vet that, I would say, or anything I read, it's very challenging. I'm not gonna say impossible because that's、mm-hmm. everything. Anything is possible these days with tech. But going to different markets and seeing. So, are you also in a position? So, I was listening to、um, CBC this morning, and they were doing predictions on the Calgary real estate market. Are you also going to be in a place where maybe not you, but your AI could do an interview on CBC to give predictions of what's going to happen in certain markets across Canada? Like, is that also? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm playing with that a little bit, obviously. <laughs> but the data that you're is going so this was a, this was just an industry professional giving his opinion. That's what the interview was, and I was like,、mm. okay, I was listening, but I'm like, nah. He he quoted some data points. Is it a balanced market, supply side, demand side? Like some of the、mm. standard things. I've heard many times before,、mm. but I would imagine your system would be able to be a lot more. Well, no, no, this is actually what's going to happen because we're collecting so much more data around that, even versus just the human's ability to interpret that data by itself. I definitely,、uh, we definitely see that one day we'll get there. Okay,、uh, I, I appreciate the asterisks. <laughs> yeah. So,、uh, but today, actually, if you think about for a business, because I. I, I Our mission is actually really helping home builder to make better business, right? So, what、mm-hmm. relevant for them is the specific prediction about them, yes, but about their own business operation. And if you say,、uh, "I have,、uh, we're going to have a lot of sales," but then that might or might not be a good thing for a particular business, right? A lot of sales sometimes means okay, then、uh, everyone going to compete in the trade. Of、Everyone、course, yes, we, we, we can't we can't get framers, we can't get、yeah. concrete board, all、exactly. the things that have plagued the home builder industry, especially over COVID. They've、mm-hmm. just gone through different cycles. We can't find wood, we can't find mirrors, we can't find、yeah. toilets. Like it's been very problematic for、uh, amongst a high demand cycle.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we think is actually that what's important is a specific understanding of your product and your target segment, and how your how the protection looking for you. And how are you taking certain action will actually change that trajectory and trend specific for your business, and that's actually where, if you think about it, we basically look at ourselves basically convergence of science, engineering, and business application. So we can easily is the one thing about that. Like、uh, if you have people talk about trends in the market all the time, one thing is they are always not wrong. <laughs> right, they're always not wrong because <clears throat> no matter what they say, they can actually have something to actually take themselves up. The, the problem, actually, what we think is actually that that's not quite useful for the home for a business owner, for a specific for, home builder. Yeah, bringing yeah. it back、so、to the individual business. So what we think、business. is that if it's something verifiable, we can actually let them trust it, and they know that this is trustworthy protection, <clears throat> and that really help them make business decision. Hey, sometimes we get it wrong as well. We get it wrong. Then we look at the why did we get wrong and where does it get wrong. What additional information we need to collect? What kind of biases we did not deal with, and how can we improve it further? So we hold accountability, right? So、mm-hmm. because that's actually become tremendously valuable, but also why most of the technology company would not be able to do that because are they have the willingness to take on that responsibility to、right. say, to say actually this is your protection how it looks like, right? So. And, That's、uh, a difference. My, my most of my wisdom has come from getting it wrong, not getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to personal, but I think、yeah. about 
the the discipline and also the focus of a home builder or any business, but specifically a home builder, being very, very clear who their target is and how many mm-hmm. different segments there is. Oh, we build for everybody for all the time. And I know they're not like that, but what I'm really hearing about, you know, thinking about your market and it's going to be, there's the high-end homes, there's a starter home, there's the multifamily, there's the back lane, there's, you know, homes focusing on new Canadians versus empty nesters. The discipline around really understanding and in marketing, especially when you're spending ad dollars, you want to really know who you're spending money to get in front of, which to me, your your system even iterates how much more opportunity there is to be really clear about who we're who we're focusing on, who is our customer and who we're building for, right? Because mm-hmm. it changes the nuance of what I want versus what you want. You have a you have children, I have a dog. We both want something different in, in our home. The degree of customization. Do you see that also being an evolution for if I'm a five hundred door a year home builder, there's only so much customization I can do where maybe it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. economically. Are you also right. seeing a consumer who's wanting even maybe more customization than than sometimes financially viable. Uh, now we're getting into real future prediction stuff here. <laughs> what, what's your views on that level of customization and customer demand for it? So actually, first of all, actually, I, I, I can see you actually have a lot of knowledge in this industry. <laughs> and, uh, but actually, that's actually in a way we somewhat disagree a little bit with how Homebuilder are running their business okay. in the future. Okay, all right, all right. I'll so s- how Homebuilder actually seeing that is that, uh, okay, these are the customization. They see that as a tool world. Like either I build cookie-cutter homes and they're going to fit the most of the market and then turn it very quickly, or... Yep. And then uh, I build a highly customized home, a customer home, and then uh, tons of options, and then a painful process for drafting and estimating. <laughs> yes. And then you have a, actually, you hope to have a very happy customer, but turn end up a lot of time because journey is so painful. We did a lot of interviews, the customers that are not, not exactly happy neither yep. because of the pain process. So, but they see that as actually customization versus standardization is a two, like, incompatible world. That's actually where we, don't disagree with. Okay. The reality is actually that this is very product inter- internal centric view, which we understand why this actually was the case and this it was a necessity. But actually, if you flip it, the problem all of a sudden becomes so much easier. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> so take putting a home, uh, main uh, a full bathroom and a bedroom in the main floor. Mm-hmm. For a consumer like myself, initially, I would think, why would anyone would do that? I wouldn't think about living in the main floor and a full bathroom. Mm-hmm. So you can think about, okay, this is one feature. It's a feature that home actually offer. But really, how do you actually connect that to the consumer's need? It's actually more important than the feature itself. Because if you think about that, right, for me, for a consumer like myself, I wouldn't connect to that until I recognize that, hey, actually, this is built for if you have a senior people living in your house, mm-hmm. then they don't have to walk upstairs. Yeah, agent, and immediately actually price. clicked to me because I was interviewed with a salesperson and we look at these data and like, why why you guys do that? It's like, well, these are for senior people. And then, oh, I think about sometime a parent to come over and spend some time. Mm-hmm. Well, it also can offer as a room for my friends if they decided to kind of uh, share the kind of stay, uh, stop by and live at our house. Then we live in two different floors, right? So sufficient privacy. If you actually think about the selling point and the, how does it address a specific need for the for the consumer, that same product feature actually can actually speak to them differently. Mm, it's actually okay. really is about uncovering the need of the consumer and how do you actually offer that as a solution. And if you look at that, uh, this is a fun thing about having massive scale data. All these options are actually most for the most part, they, while they look very different, the style and all those things, are very similar. but they're actually solving similar problems. What are the problems that people are moving out of their home? What are the things that is not working in the current home? And for whatever reason, they're moving to a new home. These are actually limits set of problem. If you think about how do I build a home to solve the consumer's need by understanding the need of the consumer, and that will actually make their operation much more optimized. Uh, so that's actually, in a way, our layer three problem. Mm, our layer three yeah. problem is actually, that's why in my mission statement, right, it's, we want to help home builders know the need of their consumer better than like no one else. When we say no one else, it's like better than the consumer themselves. Yes, I understand that. <laughs> and, and, and you circled it all the way back to your point at the beginning of some of the mo- some of the most powerful motivation, aside from a life event, is what I'm not happy with with my current home. <laughs> And how that appears like a customized solution to me as the customer, even though it might be the, it's the same solution, but it's the the dynamic in which I understand the problem that I'm solving, which I really appreciate that. 
which is also something that a really, really good salesperson can do, but that's in a one-to-one environment. How do you scale that? And then how do you scale that? You need marketing. So yes. it's like kind of a full circle, <laughs> yes, right? 100%. So from the transaction and home product design all the way to marketing, how do you speak to the market? How do you actually get the right audience and say, oh, this particular home builder has the solution for my lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Right, when so that, when a, the same home footprint could apply to two very different groups based on, mm-hmm. oh, I have friends from out of town that always stay over versus I want to age in place or I have aging parents or, exactly. th- yeah, which I, again, it's all the same solution at the end of the day, but three problems that would look at themselves as all very different. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So now this is actually, it's cool thing, Tyler, is that you just get a taste of how linear the algebra works because <laughs> typically is you have to go left or right, right? Customization or not. No, back you can go up. Up is actually offering the right solution for a customer. So now you add a new dimension to it. <laughs> it's so funny. It reminds me of my business partner when he had a young child. He said, you know, I was using the, the decision matrix, like uh, parenting style. Like he said to his daughter, would you like to um, put on your pajamas first or would you like to brush your teeth to get ready for bed? And she looked at him and said, dad, I need more choices. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how that tied into my mind, but it pictured, I just thought that story was so amazing. I was like, oh, uh, your, your, your daughter's going to be a, yeah, a human to reckon with. I thought that was a fantastic perspective. Uh, Will, what a good conversation. You and I can keep going for hours, and I, I, I think we will, and maybe a part two, or we're definitely going to go for coffee after this. Sounds I'm really good. understanding. Of course, now my marketer, have, we're going to do another episode of just how to, you know, proper AI and proper prediction for marketers, which the promise mm-hmm. of prediction and the promise promise of AI and ML is still yet to deliver across the board, I would say universally for all of us as we you know, go, oh, when's it going to make my industry better? And sometimes mm-hmm. it's making the current owners of the first party data a lot of money, but not always the customer and not always the agencies that interact in the middle. So I think mm-hmm. that might be a precursor for our next, our, our next conversation. But um, yeah. you guys have a great website. You have lots of good information. I do appreciate, and I will call out you know, as clear as you've been with your mission, your website's very clear on here's what we do and here's the value that we want to provide. And I do appreciate that as a marketer. Not everybody gets that. And you've articulated that very clearly multiple times, even on the show. So openhouse.ai. So please go and check it out. And uh, if there's somebody wants to get a hold of you, whether it's a student or somebody that really wants to mentor, I heard that huge part of your purpose is to grow individuals. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Well, it's simple. Uh, you can uh, you can look me up on my LinkedIn profile or you can send me an email, will at openhouse.ai. Amazing. I appreciate when everybody's like, hey, it's get in touch with me. There's so many, there's so many, there's so many ways out there. Uh, Will, really enjoyed having you on the show. I see you and I chatting a lot more about this. I like going down the rabbit hole, which I think you also <laughs> like to go down. But uh, thank you much for your time today. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that conversation and congratulations on what you guys are building. It's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. 